One of the things I want to do this morning is revise what we have done because we, we were talking about ministry. Remember that? Maybe some have forgotten. But I want us to go back and talk about that because what God has for you is bigger than what the church has for you. And half the time, the church becomes a hindrance to you. And like I say, God has not called us to boss people around or to own them. But people grow up being owned and therefore they like being owned. When you give them freedom to serve God, they are afraid to be free. And others want to be free, but they, want to, they don't want to be responsible. Now you see, we can't let one at the expense of the other. We have to let you be free to do what God has called you. But we also have to hold you accountable for the things you say God has called you to do. Isn't that fair? So because we have taken too many detours, I want to revise what we have said so that we are on the same page when we continue from next week. We started by saying in Romans chapter 11 verse 29, it says, For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. That when God creates you, he calls you. He wants you to be something and he gifts you. Now when you want to live as a sinner outside the calling of God, it doesn't mean God is, has no longer called you. You remember that? That God has not changed his mind. Every person that you see in the street, not only does God love them, but he has called them. Says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And we say, before you were born, God had already prepared what you must do. Because the Bible says, in advance, before the foundations of the earth. So, God's purpose for me came before Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. Before the earth was created, God already had a purpose for you and me. But remember, God gave you a will to choose his purpose for your life or not. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for the works of service or the ministry. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, the Bible tells us here that the prophets, the apostles, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers, our job is to equip you ne? for the works of service, for ministry. So, in other words, we have said it in the past. People, when they talk about pastors, they say, hey, he's in ministry, he's in full-time ministry. Therefore, they, don't aware, they are not aware that actually the people who should be aware that their ministry guesses who. And so, even the pastors, we stand thinking, I'm in ministry. What about you? Luna, you, you are my audience. You pay me to perform. And church members are happy to come and watch and then pay for the performance and go home and live defeated, purposeless lives and come back next week and pay for the performance again. 
they die and when they get before God, their callings, their giftings, the level of greatness God had for them has not even been opened. Because they were not being prepared. They were just church goers. And then we use different terms that we explained. And I'm going to remind you the terms that we used. One, we spoke about calling. I get the Bible says, the calling is without repentance. Even if you die and go to hell, it doesn't mean God never called you in the first place. It doesn't mean God never had a purpose. So we said calling is what God primarily created us to be and to do. It defines our identity and vocation, our purpose in life. So how much are I am called? They are saying I have a purpose in life. The question is, do you know it? And we said all callings are originally in Christ. No one can stand here and say I'm fulfilling my call and I'm doing this outside Christ. Outside Christ, you use the talents that God gave you, but you are not fulfilling the purposes that God has for you. Because God never created you outside Christ, therefore never called you outside Christ. That's why the Bible says, all is meaningless outside Christ. You still remember that? And then we gave you examples of the things that God has called everyone, saint and sinner alike, to. That we are called to obedience that comes by faith. We are called to obey God, not to tolerate God, not to agree with him, but to obey him. We are called to peace. If people are, are living in word, clearly they are not living in the call of God. We are called to freedom. If we are bound by sin, by sickness, by disease, we are not living in the calling. We are called to hope. Hopeless people, depressed people are living away from the call of God. We are called to eternal life. Any person who dies as a sinner and goes to hell has missed their call. Because the Bible says, for God so loved them world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish therefore it is not the intention of God that anyone should die and go to hell whom God created with purpose and part of the purpose of God is that we should all live with God eternally not die and be tormented in hell permanently we are called to to holiness that's why I, I tell you, fat and set is sin, and there's no question about it. But let me tell you the good news. All the fat and setters in this church have been fixing stuff. Well, they have been, uh, honestly. How many weddings have we had? Don't think all of them were fat and set. But I'm just saying, we've had private weddings. Because the truth is the truth. All our young people who sleep around, you know, sex before marriage is sin. So you live in sin. You want us to be apologetic. No, because your destiny is tied to that truth. Your destiny is tied to that truth. If you live away from the truth of God's word, then you're living away from your calling and purpose. And what should I say to God after leading you and you missed out on the best that God has for you? Can't do that. If you live in sin, I have to tell you. We are called to patient endurance of suffering. We, and we are called to fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we then spoke about gifts, spiritual gifts. We said the grace or spiritual ability, that is a, 
a spiritual gift. gifted. Talent is not gift. Remember, we separated the two. The spiritual gift is what God gives you as an ability to do what he called you to do. So if God calls me, he says, you are going to be a preacher. God has to give me the ability, the gift to do what? To preach. Are you still fine? And then we talked about a task. That a task is just a duty based on the needs of the church. Most people live for a task. They come to church because we need order. We assign them a duty. Remember we said a duty is not a calling. And people fight for duties. They fight, I'm an usher. I'm a chief this. They fight for the duty that God has not called them to do. But because we gave them those responsibilities, they think that's what they should die for. Friends, don't die for the appointment that was made by men on your life. Listen, God never called you to be a treasure. A treasure so when you missed out you missed out on destiny and purpose because of a task remember task the ones who give you the task are the ones who reward you but the one who calls you and gives you is the one who rewards you see the difference so if we give you a responsibility in church guess what it's us who will say thank you and you know the bible says when man says thank you to you you've already received your reward so in this church, we don't want anyone to sweat just for a task. Die for your call. And then we said ministry defined is to basically to render service, to do something for someone. So when the Bible says we are called to ministry, it means we are called to serve one isn't it strange that you say, hey, our pastors are called to ministry, but they never serve you. You're always serving us. Clearly, our understanding of ministry as a church is not biblical. So then we said, a biblical understanding of ministry, therefore, if I say I am ministering, I am saying I am unfolding the calling through the gifting. So, so I can only minister out of my true calling and gifting. And then we mentioned that although many are called, few are chosen. And understand that how they are chosen it's their own doing. You see, God, let me give you an example. How many of us that are called have failed because we can't resist stealing church's money? How many of us have failed in the calling because we cannot stay away from women and men? You understand that type of thing? So, I get chosen on the basis of my obedience to the call and the instruction that accompanied. That is why God called Saul. You remember that? King Saul. I get Israel, we want a king. 
And God gave them who? Saul. But then Saul did not obey God in the calling that God called him. And then God says, I have now rejected him. You understand that type of thing? So the man was what? Called. But later he was rejected. Why? Because God says to him, I don't want you to sacrifice for me and tolerate me as God. I am God. I want you to obey me. Obedience is better than sacrifice. He says, I've rejected you. And so most of us, we stand, we sing, we preach, we do all these things, and we think we are God's favorite children. You are not. God is not a respect of persons. God will let a sinner die and go to hell. And God will let you be rejected out of the calling because he's God and he does not want you to make him understand. You need to obey him, not expect him to understand you. That's the difference, friend. You and I don't belong to ourselves. We belong to him. And so we, we clustered the challenges into four categories. We said there are personal challenges which I covered, I will just go through them. Today I'm just doing revision. So that next week you, you remember when we start building up again. We said there are relational challenges. Personal challenges are the stuff that when you deal with. Ne? Relational challenges are the stuff that happens between us as we relate. And then we spoke about field or work challenges. Ministry is a lot of work there are going to be challenges as we do work there are going to be very difficult challenges to go through and you know some people have died because of the challenges of ministry because sometimes ministry kills your family and if you don't know how to find the balance something will give way and sometimes it's the most important thing have you ever heard stories where women have asked their husband choose between me and the church because now you are married to your work. And it's not just ministry. Even here, others are married to their jobs. And others are married to their children, not their husband. Really. Corporate challenges. Corporate challenges are the challenges that we meet together as a church. Where people gossip with about one another. So only issues start order that we need to deal with. You know those things. So unless we understand that these are the challenges that you and I need to face head on and deal with them, you and I won't complete what God has called us to do. And that is why one of the things we want to teach about in the next few weeks. We want to talk about dating, relationships, and marriages. So that you all know where we stand. And I've told you, if you are a father in this church and you have a Makwapen, you have two choices. One, you leave Makwapen you stay faithful to your wife. Two, you leave to and go to another church where they will let you to quap peace. What's happened? Because people, sometimes we tell them what not to do, but we don't tell them what 
Yeah, so when this one finishes, we will have to get into that one so that how are December? As a young person, you know, in this church, we don't allow you to do. Because he's not your husband. So how can you... Okay, let's put it this way. If you give away what by divine purpose you should give to your husband. When you marry, what are you going to give him? And so we need to deal with those things. Study virginity. Go back and talk about. Don't just succumb. Because the truth is, whilst most of us can agree that, hey, you know, I regret that when I got married, I was not a virgin. Not everybody should go that, that route because that's not God's plan for your, our lives. God to listen to But don't worry, we'll prepare you for December. <laughs> so that how do you eat? How do you And next year when you come, because remember, one of the most painful things pastors have to do is to watch you wreck your life and only watch. As you go and hit the wall, we watch. We pray because we have said more than we can. So if you are not pregnant now, ne? and you are not married, if you are not pregnant now, and you have not impregnated anyone, when you rock up next year, in advance so that you will know my heart when I see you. Even if I don't say it when I see you. When you rock up pregnant next year, I want you to know, not only are you disobedient to God, but you are a fool. So when you come and say, Muruti, this and this, you know what, I'll deal with you in grace, but this is what I want you to know. In my heart, I'll be saying, you are a fool. <laughs> Told you that December is coming. <laughs> but you didn't. What keeps a person devoted to their call? This was a question that was asked to Catherine Kuhlman. Most of you know her. Catherine Kuhlman was a, one of the most powerful women preachers ever. Ne? And this is what she says. She says loyalty. The word loyalty has little meaning in these days. Because there is so little of it being practiced. Loyalty is something that is intangible. It's like love. You can only understand it as you see it in action. Love is something you do. And that's also true of loyalty. It means faithfulness. It means allegiance. It means devotion. Now this is what she says about her own life. My heart is fixed. Now, this is a woman. Let me tell you a short story about Catherine Kuhlman. Catherine Kuhlman was raised very well. She lived well, but she felt God's call in her heart. She got born again. That is the woman that any sickness she prayed for. And she used to say, I believe in miracles. 
at the peak of her ministry, a guy came and worked with her. They fell in love. And this guy was married. But she didn't know. That guy divorced his wife. And declared his dying, undying love for Catherine. All the people around her advised her against marrying that guy. Guess what? She did it. And on the night of their wedding day, she fainted. The Holy Spirit tried to keep her from marrying that guy. She fainted, not only once. That guy, Amotosa, he got married. Immediately after that, she wept. She practically divorced. As they left the altar, they went to different hotels. And that was the end of the marriage. But you know what it had done to the ministry? Destroyed the, the, the ministry. She had to start afresh. And as she started afresh, everywhere she went, when people heard about her relationship with Mr. And he used, she used to call him Mr. They would cancel the meetings. Imagine the halls are packed. The woman of God, woman of miracles is coming. Oh, do you know that woman who's coming took another woman's husband? And the meetings would be canceled. But God being God, faithful as he is, loving as he is, his purpose for your life not changing, no matter how mess, messed up your life is, even if it was your own fault, God still loves you. Like I always say, God will love you to hell. Except that once you choose hell, they can, there's nothing he can do for you. You've chosen hell. You willingly rejected this love. And this is what this woman says. After that, he says, my heart is fixed. I will be loyal to him at any cost, at any price. Loyalty is much more than a casual interest in someone or something. It's a personal commitment. And this is the part I love. In the final analysis, it means, here I am. You can count on me. I won't fail you. This is a person who had failed Jesus. But she says, I've learned loyalty. I've learned to know that when I serve Jesus, I don't serve any other person. I don't serve my wife. I don't serve my kids. I don't serve my family. See, everybody dies. And when they do die, the purpose of God for your life do not die. You must think about it. I'll never kill myself for anyone. Even if that person dies, because maybe they die for their own mistakes, or maybe they die because it's their time to die. Now it's not my time to. So when they die and their purpose ends there, Mine has not ended. I'm not going to kill myself. I'm talking to the one who's thinking about it. <laughs> Desiring our own will or loyalty and devotion to self is not only the highest treason against God, but also the reason why we hardly live in the fullness of what the cross of Christ provides for us. How about a tattoo? How? Otwetella o sa pele ditonolo fatsong tsa seo se fapano sa marana Jesu 
si su thing to them. You will always, like I say, there are people who will always window shop the blessings of God. Ish, I wish I was healed. You won't be. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. I, you know, I must tell you, everyone who obeys God knows this thing. The Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Gimudisa. They know. If you, you love God and you obey him, you know for sure. But here's the, it is perhaps the most basic reason why we fail in the face of the challenges we face in ministry and fail all the tests determining our next level in life. You are not getting where you should be because you are devoted to self, not to God. So when a person is devoted to himself and not to God, that person can be sure the rest of their lives they are going to struggle. Because if you devote yourself to yourself, you need your own resources to move to the next level. But if you are devoted to God, you have his resources. And let me just wrap it up by saying these things that you remember. I'm just going to read the personal or individual challenges that we spoke about, which I trust you still remember. With all the notes, agree? here I've just written the point. You have the notes. We said the things that you are going to struggle with, number one was immaturity. The inability to exercise spiritual disciplines to distinguish good from evil. There will be different situations that will test our maturity as ministers wherever we are posted and there will be different tests to face. Remember I said, every one of us will be tested. And then we looked at the following test, the test of audience. Do you play to the tune of the people? How about, hey, also, yeah, hey, I'm the guy. People will lie to you. Don't do what they expect you to do. Do what God expects you to do. And we said the test of praise. People will always praise you and make you like the devil and then you, you start feeling pride. When they praise you, do you think we cannot do without you? You must know, no one is indispensable in the kingdom of God. Every one of us can be removed any day. The test of obscurity. How is it for you, how beat up at Wabang to do stuff, and when they never call you, and when you in your heart you know you are better than those people. Eh? When I they never call you, can you pass that test? Maybe God is testing you. Can you pass that? Because maybe you have a greater anointing than those people. But God is using the opportunity to check. Are you happy to be David and serve Saul even if God has anointed you to be king? The test of fellowship. There are people who just want to stuff, but they don't. You know those people that are interested in tasks? That's what I was saying last week. We are a church. Some of us come to church and ignore the church. But you are happy to come and sing in front of us. 
you don't care about fellowshipping. When we start, guess where you go? Stage. And I'm not saying you, you guys should continue to be on stage because you have to be on time. <laughs> stage. When the church ends, guess where you go? You disappear like what? Snake on the rock. Hey, mama, gone. How so? You don't even greet one person. Can we trust you with people to love them? Some leaders don't even love people. The test of faithfulness. Can you be faithful in what God has entrusted you with? Your life, your money, your family, all these things. Or you always think, And the test of dismissal. This one is hard. If you were Peter and you come to Jesus, Jesus says, I'm going to die. And you say, Jesus, eh, please let it not happen. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Sometimes when you, are, you suggest things to leaders and they don't take them, how are you going to feel? These are all tests. Sometimes we all get dismissed. And then we said the other personal challenge was trading the fruit for the gift. There are people who want to preach but don't want to live right. So they, they want to exercise the gift but they don't want to show their character. He wants to preach and then sleep with the girls at the same time. Misdirected zeal. Those who... I'm going. If you try to say, no, 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 no. It's not time yet. No, 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 no. No, I have to do it. And now they shipwrecked. Others have left school. Where are they now? A guy is struggling. Why? You should have finished school. Maybe the plan was that you go and work first. Your zeal had no knowledge. Self-overburdening. Other people try to save everyone. That's what I'm saying. Don't expect me to be your Jesus. I'm not. People want you to be go 21st at the funeral, at the wedding. And they're like, yeah, did it not come to my 21st? You know what? I'm not omnipresent. I told you that. I told you, even if you don't understand, go and ask Judy Boucher. You remember? If I could be into places, either, believe me, I would be at your 21st. But I'm not the Holy Spirit. So we need to mature to a point where, as people, we can say, no, I cannot come. And not feel guilty. If I'm going to a funeral or I'm going to a wedding and when I, you, want, you want us to have a bride, I cannot come. You understand? Money, fame, and intimacy. Purity, imbalance, and success. We said all these things are the challenges you are going to face. Personal ones. The rest we'll talk about next week. Shall we stand up?